Chapters twenty five and twenty six of Lena Rivers by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twenty five. The Bridal. Twas Mabel's wedding night, and in one of the upper rooms of Mr. Livingstone's house she stood awaiting the summons to the parlor. They had arrayed her for the bridal. Mrs. Livingstone, Carrie, Lena, Anna, and the seamstress all had had something to do with her toilet, and now they had left her for a time with him who was soon to be her husband. She knew, for they had told her, she was looking uncommonly well. Her dress of pure white satin was singularly becoming. Pearls were interwoven in the braids of her raven hair. The fleecy folds of the rich veil which fell like a cloud around her swept the floor in her eye there was an unusual sparkle and on her cheek an unwanted bloom still mabel was not happy there was a heavy pain at her heart a foreboding of coming evil and many an anxious glance she cast toward the stern silent man who with careless tread walked up and down the room utterly regardless of her presence and apparently absorbed in bitter reflections once only had she ventured to speak and then in childlike simplicity she had asked him how she looked well enough was his answer as without raising his eyes he continued his walk the tears gathered in mabel's eyes she could not help it drop after drop they came falling upon the marble table until john jr who saw more than he pretended came to her side asking why she wept mabel was beginning to be terribly afraid of him and for a moment she hesitated but at length summoning all her courage she wound her arms about his neck and in low earnest tones said tell me truly do you wish to marry me and suppose i do not he asked with the same stony composure stepping backward mabel stood proudly erect before him and answered then would i die rather than wed you there was something in her appearance and attitude peculiarly attractive to john jr never in his life had he felt so much interested in her and drawing her toward him and placing his arm around her he said gently be calm little meb you are nervous to-night of course i wish you to be my wife else i had not asked you are you satisfied the joyous glance of the dark eyes lifted so confidingly to his was a sufficient answer and as if conscious of the injustice he was about to do to her john jr bent for an instant over her slight figure mentally resolving that so far as in him lay he would be true to his trust there was a knock at the door and mrs livingstone herself looked in pale anxious and expectant mr douglas who was among the invited guests had arrived and must have an interview with john jr ere the ceremony twas in vain she attempted politely to waive his request he would see him and distracted with fear she had at last conducted him into the upper hall and out upon an open veranda where in the moonlight he awaited the coming of the bridegroom who with some curiosity approached him asking what he wanted it may seem strange to you said mr douglas that i insist upon seeing you now when another time might do as well but i believe in having a fair understanding all round meddling old rascal exclaimed mrs livingstone who of course was within hearing bending her ears so as not to lose a word but in this she was thwarted for drawing nearer to john jr mr douglas said so low as to prevent her catching anything further save the sound of his voice i do not accuse you of being at all mercenary but such things have been and there has something come to my knowledge to-day which i deem it my duty to tell you so that hereafter you can neither blame me nor mabel what is it asked john jr and mr douglas replied 
to be brief then mabel's large fortune is with the exception of a few thousands of which i have charge all swept away by the recent failure of the planters bank in which it was invested i heard of it this morning and determined on telling you knowing that if you loved her for herself it would make no difference while if you loved her for her money it were far better to stop here nothing could have been further from john's thoughts than a desire for mabel's wealth which precious as it seemed in his mother's eyes was valueless to him and after a moment's silence in which he was thinking what a rich disappointment it would be to his mother who he knew prized mabel only for her money he exclaimed good i'm glad of it i never sought mabel's hand for what there was in it and i'm more ready to marry her now than ever but he added as a sudden impulse of good came over him she need not know it it would trouble her uselessly and for the present will keep it from her john jr had always been a puzzle to mr douglas who by turns censured and admired him but now there was but one feeling in his bosom toward him and that was one of unbounded respect with a warm pressure of the hand he turned away thinking perchance of his fair young daughter who far away o'er the atlantic waves little dreamed of the scene on which that summer moon was shining as the conference ended mrs livingstone who had learned nothing glided from her hiding-place eagerly scanning her son's face to see if there was aught to justify her fears but there was nothing and with her heart beating at its accustomed pace she descended the stairs in time to meet durward who having reached woodlawn that day had not heard of lena's decision this way master belmont upstairs is the gentleman's room said the servant in attendance and ascending the stairs durward met with anna asking for her cousin in there go in said anna pointing to a half-open door and then hurrying away to meet malcolm whose coming she had seen from the window hesitatingly durward approached the chamber indicated and as his knock met with no response he ventured at last to enter unannounced into the presence of lena whom he had not met since that well-remembered night tastefully attired for the wedding in a simple white muslin she sat upon a little stool with her face buried in the cushions of the sofa she had heard his voice in the lower hall and knowing she must soon meet him she had for a moment abandoned herself to the tumult of bitter thoughts which came sweeping over her in that trying hour she was weeping he knew that by the trembling of her body and for an instant everything was forgotten advancing softly toward her he was about to lay his hand upon those clustering curls which fell unheeded around her when the thought that from among them had been cut the hated tress which his mother had cast into the flames arrested his hand and he was himself again forcing down his emotion he said calmly miss rivers and starting quickly to her feet lena demanded proudly what he would have and why he was there pardon me said he as he marked her haughty bearing and glanced at her dress which was hardly in accordance with that of a bridesmaid i suppose i was to be a groomsman am i mistaken so far as i am concerned you are sir i knew nothing of mabel's writing to you or i should have prevented it for after what has occurred you cannot deem me weak enough to lend myself to such an arrangement and lena walked out of the room while durward looked after her in amazement one moment admiring her spirit and the next blaming mabel for not informing him how matters stood but there's no help for it now thought he as he descended the stairs and made his way into the parlour whither lena had preceded him and thus ended an interview of which lena had thought so much hoping and praying that it might result in a reconciliation but it was all over now the breach was wider than ever with half-benumbed faculties she leaned on the window unconscious of the earnest desire he felt to approach her 
for there was about her a strange fascination which it required all his power to resist when at last all was in readiness a messenger was dispatched to john jr who without a word offered his arm to mabel and descending the broad staircase they stood within the parlour in the spot which had been assigned them once during the ceremony he raised his eyes encountering those of lena fixed upon him so reproachfully that with a scowl he turned away mechanically he went through with his part of the service betraying no emotion whatever until the solemn words which made them one were uttered then when it was over when he was bound to her for ever he seemed suddenly to awake from his apathy and think of what he had done crowding around him they came with words of congratulation all but lena who tarried behind for she had none to give wretched as she was herself she pitied the frail young bride whose half joyous half timid glances toward the frigid bridegroom showed that already was she sipping from the bitter cup whose very dregs she was destined to drain in the recess of a window near to john jr mr douglas and durward stood speaking together of nelly and though john shrank from the sound of her name his hearing faculties seemed unusually sharpened and he lost not a word of what they were saying so nelly is coming home in the autumn i am told said durward and i am glad of it for i miss her much but what is it about mr wilbur's marriage wasn't it rather unexpected no not very nelly knew before she went that he was engaged to miss allen but at his sister's request she kept it still he found her at a boarding-school in montreal several years ago will they remain in europe for a time at least until mary is better but nelly comes home with some friends from new haven whom she met in paris then in a low tone mr douglas added i almost dread the effect of this marriage upon her for i am positive she liked him better than any one else the little white blue-veined hand which rested on that of john jr was suddenly pressed so spasmodically that mabel looked up inquiringly in the face which had no thought for her for mr douglas's words had fallen upon him like a thunderbolt crushing him to the earth and for a moment rendering him powerless instantly he comprehended it all he had deceived himself and by his impetuous haste lost all that he held most dear on earth there was a cry of faintness a grasping at empty space to keep from falling and then forth into the open air they led the half-fainting man followed by his frightened bride who tenderly bathed his damp cold brow unmindful how he shrank from her shuddering as he felt the touch of her soft hand and motioning her aside when she stooped to part from his forehead the heavy locks of his hair that night the pale starlight of another hemisphere kept watch over a gentle girl who neath the blue skies of sunny france dreamed of her distant home across the ocean wave of the gray-haired man who with every morning light and evening shade blessed her as his child of another whose image was ever present with her whom from her childhood she had loved and whom neither time nor distance could efface from her memory later and the silvery moon looked mournfully down upon the white haggard face and heavy bloodshot eye of him who counted each long dreary hour as it passed by cursing the fate which had made him what he was and unjustly hardening his heart against his innocent unsuspecting wife twenty six married life for a short time after their marriage john jr treated mabel with at least a show of attention but he was not one to long act as he did not feel 
had nelly been indeed the wife of another he might in time have learned to love mabel as she deserved but now her presence only served to remind him of what he had lost and at last he began to shun her society never seeming willing to be left with her alone and either repulsing or treating with indifference the many little acts of kindness which her affectionate nature prompted to all this mabel was not blind and when once she began to suspect her true position it was easy for her to fancy slights where none were intended thus ere she had been two months a wife her life was one of constant unhappiness and as a matter of course her health which had been much improved began to fail her old racking headaches returned with renewed force confining her for whole days to her room where she lay listening in vain for the footsteps which never came and tended only by lena who in proportion as the others neglected her clung to her more and more the trip to saratoga was given up john jr in the bitterness of his disappointment utterly refusing to go and saying there was nothing sillier than for a newly married couple to go riding around the country disgusting sensible people with their fooleries so with a burst of tears mabel yielded and her bridal tour extended no further than frankfort whither her husband did once accompany her dining out even then with an old schoolmate whom he chanced to meet and almost forgetting to call at mr douglas's for mabel when it was time to return home ere long too another source of trouble arose which shipwrecked entirely the poor bride's happiness by some means or other it at last came to mrs livingstone's knowledge that mabel's fortune was not only all gone but that her son had known it in time to prevent his marrying her owing to various losses her own property had for a few years past been gradually diminishing and when she found that mabel's fortune which she leaned upon as an all-powerful prop was swept away it was more than she could bear peaceably and in a fit of disappointed rage she assailed her son reproaching him with bringing disgrace upon the family by marrying a poor homely sickly girl who would be forever incurring expense without any means of paying it for once however she found her match for in good rounded terms john jr bade her go to thunder his favorite point of destination for his particular friends and at the same time saying he didn't care a dime for mabel's money it was you said he who kept your eye on that aiding and abetting the match and now that you are disappointed i'm heartily glad of it but who is going to pay for her board asked mrs livingstone you've no means of earning it and i hope you don't intend to sponge out of me for i think i've enough paupers on my hands already board roared john jr in a towering passion while you thought her rich you gave no heed to board or anything else and since she has become poor i do not think her appetite greatly increased you taunt me too with having no means of earning my own living whose fault is it tell me that haven't you always opposed my having a profession didn't you pet and baby johnny when a boy keeping him always at your apron strings and now that he's a man he's not to be turned adrift no madam i shall stay and mabel too just as long as i please gaining no satisfaction from him mrs livingstone turned her battery upon poor mabel treating her with shameful neglect intimating that she was in the way that the house was full and that she never supposed john was going to settle down at home for her to support he was big enough to look after himself and if he chose to marry a wife who had nothing why let them go to work as other folks did mabel listened in perfect amazement never dreaming what was meant for john jr had carefully kept from her a knowledge of her loss requesting his mother to do the same in such decided terms that hint as strongly as she pleased she dared not tell the whole for fear of the storm which was sure to follow 
all this was not of course calculated to add to mabel's comfort and day by day she grew more and more unhappy generously keeping to herself however the treatment which she received from mrs livingstone he will only dislike me the more if i complain to him of his mother thought she so the secret was kept though she could not always repress the tears which would start when she thought how wretched she was we believe we have said elsewhere that if there was anything particularly annoying to john jr it was a sick or crying woman and now when he so often found mabel indisposed or weeping he grew more morose and fault-finding sometimes wantonly accusing her of trying to provoke him when in fact she had used every means in her power to conciliate him again conscience smitten he would lay her aching head upon his bosom and tenderly bathing her throbbing temples would soothe her into a quiet sleep from which she always awoke refreshed and in her heart forgiving him for all he had made her suffer at such times john would resolve never again to treat her unkindly but alas his resolutions were too easily broken had he married nelly a more faithful affectionate husband there could not have been but now it was different a withering blight had fallen upon his earthly prospects and forgetting that he alone was to blame he unjustly laid the fault upon his innocent wife who as far as she was able loved him as deeply as nelly herself could have done one morning about the first of september john jr received a note informing him that several of his young associates were going on a three days hunting excursion in which they wished him to join in the large easy-chair just before him sat mabel her head supported by pillows and saturated with camphor while around her eyes were the dark rings which usually accompanied her headaches involuntarily john jr glanced toward her had it been nelly all the pleasures of the world could not have induced him to leave her but mabel was altogether another person and more for the sake of seeing what she would say than from any real intention of going he read the note aloud then carelessly throwing it aside he said ah yes i'll go it'll be rare fun camping out these moonlight nights much as she feared him mabel could not bear to have him out of her sight and now at the first intimation of his leaving her her lip began to tremble while tears filled her eyes and dropped upon her cheeks this was enough and mentally styling her a perfect cry-baby he resolved to go at all hazards i don't think you ought to leave mabel she feels so badly said anna who was present i want to know if little anna's got so she can dictate me too answered john imitating her voice and adding that he reckoned mabel would get over her bad feelings quite as well without him as with him more for the sake of opposition than because she really cared carrie too chimed in saying that he was a pretty specimen of a three months husband and asking how he ever expected to answer for all of mabel's tears and headaches hang her tears and headaches said he beginning to grow angry she can get one up to order any time and for my part i'm getting heartily tired of the sound of aches and pains please don't talk so said mabel pressing her hands upon her aching head while lena sternly exclaimed shame on you john livingstone i am surprised at you for i did suppose you had some little feeling left miss rivers can be very eloquent when she chooses but i am happy to say it is entirely lost on me said john leaving the room and shutting the door with a bang which made every one of mabel's nerves quiver anew what a perfect brute said carrie while lena and anna drew nearer mabel the one telling her she would not care and the other silently pressing the little hand which instinctively sought hers as if sure of finding sympathy 
at this moment mrs livingstone came in and immediately carrie gave a detailed account of her brother's conduct at the same time referring her mother for proof to mabel's red eyes and swollen face i never interfere between husband and wife said mrs livingstone coolly but as a friend i will give mabel a bit of advice without being at all personal i would say that a few women have beauty enough to afford to impair it by eternally crying while fewer men have patience enough to bear with a woman who is forever whining and complaining first of this and then of that i don't suppose that john is so much worse than other people and i think he bears up wonderfully considering his disappointment here the lady flounced out of the room leaving the girls to stare at each other in silence wondering what she meant since her marriage mabel had occupied the parlor chamber which connected with a cosy little bedroom and dressing-room adjoining these had at the time been fitted up and furnished in a style which mrs livingstone thought worthy of mabel's wealth but now that she was poor the case was altered and she had long contemplated removing her to more inferior quarters she wasn't going to give her the very best room in the house no indeed she wasn't wearing out the carpets soiling the furniture and keeping everything topsy-turvy she understood john jr well enough to know that it would not do to approach him on the subject so she waited determining to carry out her plans the very first time he should be absent thinking when it was once done he would submit quietly on hearing that he had gone off on a hunting excursion she thought now is my time and summoning to her assistance three or four servants she removed everything belonging to john jr and mabel to the small and not remarkably convenient room which the former had occupied previous to his marriage what are you about asked anna who chanced to pass by and looked in about my business answered mrs livingstone i'm not going to have my best things all worn out and if this was once good enough for john to sleep in it is now but will mabel like it asked anna a little suspicious that her sister-in-law's rights were being infringed nobody cares whether she is pleased or not said mrs livingstone if she don't like it all she has to do is to go away lasted just about as long as i thought twould said aunt milly when she heard what was going on i'll and crab-apple vinegar won't mix nohow and if before the year is up old miss don't worry the life out of that poor little sickly critter that looks now like a pick chicken my name ain't milly livingstone the other negroes agreed with her constantly associated with the family they saw things as they were and while mrs livingstone's conduct was universally condemned mabel was a general favorite after mrs livingstone had left the room milly with one or two others stole up to reconnoitre now i clar for it said milly if ere ain't marster john's boot-jack fish-line and box of tobacco right out in far sight and miss mabel comin in here to sleep pears like some white folks ain't no idea of what longs to good manners here corinne put the jack in thar the fish-line thar the backy thar and heave that ar other trash out a door pointing to some geological specimens which from time to time john jr had gathered and which his mother had not thought proper to molest corinda obeyed and then aunt milly who really possessed good taste began to make some alterations in the arrangement of the furniture and under her supervision the room soon began to present a more cheerful and inviting aspect get out with your old earthen candlestick said she turning up her broad nose at the said article which stood upon the stand what's them tall frosted ones in the parlor chamber for if tain't to use 
go corinne and fetch em but corinda did not dare and aunt milly went herself taking the precaution to bring them in the tongs so that even in the denouement she could stoutly deny having even touched em or even had em in her hands so much for a subterfuge when there is no moral training when mabel heard of the change she seemed for a moment stupefied had she been consulted had mrs livingstone frankly stated her reasons for wishing her to take another room she would have consented willingly but to be thus summarily removed without a shadow of warning hardly came up to her idea of justice still there was no help for it and that night the bride of three months watered her lone pillow with tears never once closing her heavy eyelids in sleep until the dim morning light came in through the open window and the tread of the negro's feet was heard in the yard below then for many hours the weary girl slumbered on unconscious of the ill-natured remarks which her non-appearance was eliciting from mrs livingstone who said it was strange what air some people would put on perhaps mistress mabel fancied her breakfast would be sent to her room or kept warm for her until such time as she chose to appear but she'd find herself mistaken for the servants had enough to do without waiting upon her and if she couldn't come up to breakfast why she must wait until dinner-time lena and milly however thought differently softly had the latter stolen up to her cousin's room gazing pityingly upon the pale worn face whose grieved mournful expression told of sorrow which had come all too soon let her sleep it will do her good said lena adjusting the bedclothes and dropping the curtain so that the sunlight should not disturb her she left the chamber an hour after on entering the kitchen she found aunt milly preparing a rich cream toast which with a cup of fragrant black tea were to be slyly conveyed to mabel who was now awake reckon thar don't nobody starve as long as this nigger rules the roost said milly wiping one of the silver teaspoons with the corner of her apron and then placing it in the cup destined for mabel who not having seen her breakfast prepared relished it highly thinking the world was not after all so dark and dreary for there were yet a few left who cared for her her headache of the day before still remained and lena suggested that she should stay in her room saying that she would herself see that every necessary attention was paid her this she could the more readily do as mrs livingstone had gone to versailles with her husband that afternoon as mabel lay watching the drifting clouds as they passed and repassed before the window her ear suddenly caught the sound of horses feet nearer and nearer they came until with a cry of delight she hid her face in the pillows weeping for very joy for john jr had come home she could not be mistaken and if there was any lingering doubt it was soon lost in certainty for she heard his voice in the hall below his footsteps on the stairs he was coming an unusual thing to see her first but how did he know she was there in his old room he did not know it he was only coming to put his rifle in its accustomed place and on seeing the chamber filled with the various paraphernalia of a woman's toilet he started with the exclamation what the deuce i reckon i've got into the wrong pew and was going away when mabel called him back meb you here said he you in this little tucked-up hole that i always thought too small for me and my traps what does it mean mabel had carefully studied the tones of her husband's voice and knowing from the tone he now assumed that he was not displeased with her the sense of injustice done her by his mother burst out and throwing her arms around his neck she told him everything connected with her removal asking what his mother meant by saying she should never get anything for their board and begging him to take her away where they could live alone and be happy 
since he had left her john jr had thought a great deal the result of which was that he determined on returning home much sooner than he had first intended promising himself to treat mabel decently and if possible win back the respect of lena which he knew he had lost to his companions who urged him to remain he explained that he had left his wife sick and he could not stay longer it cost him a great effort to say my wife for never before had he so called her but he felt better the moment he had done so and bidding his young friends adieu he started for home with the same impetuous speed which usually characterized his riding he had fully expected to meet mabel in the parlor and was even revolving in his own mind the prospect of kissing her provided lena were present that'll prove to her thought he that i am not the hardened wretch she thinks i am so i'll do it if meb doesn't happen to be all bound up in camphor and aromatic vinegar which i can't endure anyway full of this resolution he had hastened home going first to his old room where he had come so unexpectedly upon mabel that for a moment he scarcely knew what to say by the time however that she had finished her story his mind was pretty well made up and so it's mother's doings hey said he violently pulling the bell-rope and then walking up and down the room until corinda appeared in answer to his summons how many blacks are there in the kitchen he asked six or seven besides aunt polly answered corinda very well tell every man of them to come up here quick full of wonder corinda departed carrying the intelligence and adding that marster john looked mighty black in the face and she reckoned some on em would catch it at the same time for fear of what might happen secretly conveying back to the safe the piece of cake which in the mistress's absence she had stolen aunt milly's first thought was of the frosted candlesticks and by way of impressing upon corinda a sense of what she might expect if in any way she implicated her she gave her a cuff in advance bidding her be careful how she blabbed then heading the sable group she repaired to the chamber where john jr was awaiting them advancing toward them as they appeared in the doorway he said take hold here every one of you and move these things back where they came from don't oh don't entreated mabel but laying his hand over her mouth john jr bade her keep still at the same time ordering the negroes to be quick at first the younger portion of the blacks stood speechless but aunt milly comprehending the whole at once and feeling glad that her mistress had her match and her son set to work with a right good will and when about dusk mrs livingstone came home she was astonished at seeing a light in the parlor chamber while occasionally she could discern the outline of a form moving before the window what could it mean perhaps they had company and springing from the carriage she hastened into the house meeting lena in the hall and eagerly asking who was in the front chamber i believe said lena that my cousin is not pleased with the change and has gone back to the front room the impudent thing exclaimed mrs livingstone ignorant of her son's return and as a matter of course attributing the whole to mabel darting up the stairs she advanced toward the chamber and pushing open the door stood face to face with john jr who with hands crammed in his pockets and legs crossed was leaning against the mantel waiting and ready for whatever might occur john livingstone she gasped in her surprise that's my name he returned quietly enjoying her look of amazement what do you mean she continued mean what i say was his provoking answer what have you been about was her next question to which he replied your eyesight is not deficient you can see for yourself 
gaining no satisfaction from him mrs livingstone now turned upon mabel abusing her until john jr sternly commanded her to desist bidding her confine her remarks to himself and let his wife alone as she was not in the least to blame your wife repeated mrs livingstone very affectionate you've grown all at once perhaps you've forgotten that you married her to spite nelly who you then believed was the bride of mr wilbur but you surely remember how you fainted when you accidentally learned your mistake a cry from mabel who fell back fainting among the pillows prevented mrs livingstone from any further remarks and satisfied with the result of her visit she walked away while john jr springing to the bedside bore his young wife to the open window hoping the cool night air would revive her but she lay so pale and motionless in his arms her head resting so heavily upon his shoulder that with a terrible foreboding he laid her back upon the bed and rushing to the door shouted loudly help somebody come quick mabel is dead i know she is lena heard the cry and hastened to the rescue starting back when she saw the marble whiteness of mabel's face i didn't kill her lena god knows i didn't poor little meb said john jr quailing beneath lena's rebuking glance and bending anxiously over the slight form which looked so much like death but mabel was not dead lena knew it by the faint fluttering of her heart and an application of the usual remedies sufficed at last to restore her to consciousness with a long-drawn sigh her eyes unclosed and looking earnestly in lena's face she said was it a dream lena tell me was it all a dream then as she observed her husband she added shudderingly no no not a dream i remember it all now and i wish i was dead again lena's rebuking glance went over to john jr who advancing nearer to mabel gently laid his hand upon her white brow saying softly poor poor meb there was genuine pity in the tones of his voice and while the hot tears gushed forth the sick girl murmured forgive me john i couldn't help it i didn't know it and now if you say so i'll go away alone where you'll never see me again she comprehended it all her mother-in-law had rudely torn away the veil and she saw why she was there knew why he had sought her for his wife understood all his coldness and neglect but she had no word of reproach for him her husband and from the depths of her crushed heart she forgave him commiserating him as the greater sufferer maybe i shall die she whispered and then she did not finish the sentence neither was it necessary for john jr understood what she meant and with his conscience smiting him as it did he felt half inclined to declare with his usual impulsiveness that it should never be but the rash promise was not made and it was far better that it should not be End of chapters twenty five and twenty six